Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. That's ridiculous. Uh, That's a phrase that uh, I've said many times throughout my life and a phrase that's been said to me about decisions that I've made, about things that that I've done too in the past. And that's a word, ridiculous, that I really want to focus on this morning. Uh, We use that word ridiculous when something is, is absurd, when something's silly, when something goes beyond, over, and above what is normal, what is typical. Uh, And being a little bit ridiculous, that's very much a a Weakman trait. Uh, If you go to the home of a Weakman, there's a a lot of my family members who live in this area. And if you go to a home of a Weakman, chances are very good that you're going to find something in that house that's a little bit bit ridiculous. Uh, There are trap doors and floors. Uh, There's a wardrobe. The back is cut out of it. And it's a secret passage that leads to a slide down to a, a secret kids' play area. Uh, There's a fireman's pole in one home to get from the second floor to the first floor. An in-ground trampoline in the house where the the foundation was poured custom so that that trampoline could be fit into the ground. Uh, There are are numerous more things. The list goes on and on. And it's all a little bit ridiculous, uh, but very much loved and enjoyed by the people who live there. A little bit silly, a little bit absurd, but all for a purpose. And while I'm, I'm tempered a little bit in my ridiculousness by my mom's side and, and every day by my wonderful wife, uh, that is still part of me. Uh, that, that desire to go maybe a little bit more above and beyond than what is expected, what is normal or typical, as long as it serves a good purpose. And that's what I really want to emphasize here this morning through our text. Because when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our life in Christ, I'm not the only ridiculous one. All of you are ridiculous as well. And that's the freedom that Christ gives us. He gives us the freedom to live in a way in this life that is is such a way that people in our world would look at us and say, that's not normal. The way that you're living, the, the, the attitude that you have as you live, that is not typical. What Christ has done is he has freed us from living in a way that, that people would say, yep, that, that is usual. We're freed because we know that our salvation is secure, right? We know that that Jesus has died for us and that our future is in heaven. And so having that certainty, that confidence about what is to come, about our future, it has a huge impact on how we live our life in the present today. But when God calls us to live in in a way that seems ridiculous to the world, a way that that is different outside of the, the way that people typically live, It's for a reason. It's for a purpose. We're not called just to be different for the sake of being different, but our freedom is is to be used to glorify God. We live in a different way so that we can show people that that we have a hope that is separate from what the world can offer. Our text for today is part of the letter that Paul wrote to the believers in Galatia. And here he he emphasizes the freedom that, that Jesus Christ won for us. The freedom that faith affords us. And it's not just freedom from many things, but it's it's freedom in Christ for many things. So let's look at our text here from Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read verse 1 and then also verses 13 through 25. That's printed on page 8 for you in your bulletin. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not allow anyone to put the yoke of slavery on you again. After all, brothers, you are called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as a starting point for your sinful flesh. 
Rather, serve one another through love. In fact, the whole law is summed up in this one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you keep on biting and devouring one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. What I'm saying is this. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out what the sinful flesh desires. For the sinful flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful flesh. In fact, these two continually oppose one another, so that you do not continue to do the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under control of the law. Now the works of the sinful flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, complete lack of restraint, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, discord, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, orgies, and things similar to these. I warn you, just as I also warned you before, that those who continue to do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk in step with, with it. Dear Heavenly Father, these words are yours, and so we know that they are the truth. We ask that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. So Paul starts right off the bat with, with freedom, right? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. But for us to have been set free, that means that at one point we weren't, Right? So at one point in your life, you were bound by something. You were ruled by it. You were obligated to obey it. And that thing, of course, is, is sin. The Bible talks about how we are born as, as slaves to sin. And when you picture in your head right now someone who's a slave to sin, a uh, picture probably comes up of somebody who's just absolutely terrible, right? A, a murderer, a terrorist, someone who's just the, the vile scum of the earth. But we need to remember that you can be a slave to sin at the same time as as being a pretty nice person, right? Because slavery to sin doesn't mean that, that everything that you do is, is only evil all the time. What being a slave to sin means is that everything that you've done wrong according to God, every sin that you've committed is counted against you. And, and that the weight of that guilt is still on your shoulders, that you cannot free yourself from the punishment that that, that, that sin has earned you. Slavery to sin means that, that your nature is driving you to serve yourself. And this idea of, of serving yourself, this idea of, of letting this be your guiding principle in life, of if it serves me, I'm going to do it. If it feels good, if it makes sense to me, if it gets me ahead, that way of living makes sense to the world. And the world lives like that, of focused on themselves, on, on ourselves. We're tempted to do that because this world believes that this is all there is. Right? So if, if, my, if the sum ex- total of my existence is, is the, the time between when I'm born and when I die. I better make the most of it, right? I, then I better make the most of it. I better experience the most happiness, the most pleasure that I can possibly experience. And if I'm living only for here and now, then this list of things that we just read in our text about the stuff that God finds detestable, the works of the sinful flesh. If I'm living for here and now, that list doesn't sound that bad. Right? Selfish ambition. 
That's the American spirit, isn't it? We want to get ahead. We want, we want to get to the top of the corporate ladder. We want the big house, the nice cars. We want all this stuff. We want, we want the, the big title in front of our name. If I'm living for here and now, why should I be pure? Why should I be concerned about that? What's wrong with indulging in drunkenness or a little sexual immorality? If I'm only here to live and die, why should I, li- why should I not live in the way that I want to live? It's from that mentality and it's from a a life lived in this way that Christ has set us free. That's exactly why he came. To set us free from this idea of living only for here and now. To set us free from living only for ourselves. We know what Jesus has done. The Holy Spirit has opened our eyes. He has given us this gift of faith and we know what that means for us. We know that this life is not all there is. We know that, that through God's word that, that Jesus, the, the almighty eternal God, took on human flesh to live for us in order to free us. And he went his entire life not thinking about himself but living in, in humble service and love to other people, to those around him and even to us. And the entire time that he did this, he did it perfectly. Not one time did he make a mistake. Not one time did he fall short. He fulfilled God's law perfectly. And he's the only one who could have ever possibly done this. And then in that, in that innocence, still he willingly goes to the cross. He hands himself over into the hands of his enemies to be tortured and, and crucified, to be punished by God for sin. And not his own, but, but ours. For the sins of the entire world. But it's by that payment, when Christ died on the cross for, for the sins of the whole world, it's through that payment that we're freed. Because it's then, when Jesus dies, that, that our sins are forgiven. And since our sins are paid for, we know that we are not slaves to those sins anymore. We don't have to try to free ourselves from them. We don't have to try to break the bonds of sin because Jesus has already done it. Those sins are no longer held against us in the eyes of God. We have been claimed by Christ through faith as his own dear children. As Paul writes here, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful flesh with its passions and desires. So what's so awesome about this is that at the same time that God gave you this gift of faith, he created within you a new person. One that walks not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. A person within you that is is able and willing and wants to live in a ridiculous way. A way that does not make sense unless you know for sure that you are living for heaven. And that's ultimately the gift that, that Jesus won for us. Right? The gift of, of living life here and now, knowing with, with confidence and certainty that this is not all that there is. That eternal life has been won for me. That I'm not living here for, for a few decades. I am living for eternity with my God. And living life with that knowledge, it changes everything. Since we know that eternal life with God has been secured, now we we know that we're not just called to live in a way that's different, but we want to live in a way that's different. What we're doing right now is a good example of this. This this is a Sunday morning. It's a weekend. Think of all the things you guys could be doing right now. All of the different ways that, that you could be spending your time. I'm sure there's projects at home. I'm sure there's chores that need to be done. Uh, you guys could be gone and on, uh, going up north to a, a cabin or something. You could, be, you could be investing your time in any possible way. But you're here. Uh, you woke up extra early on a Sunday morning, got dressed nice, 
nature that you are here to, to sit together with a bunch of other people to sing some songs and to hear me talk about the same thing you heard Pastor Molstead talk about last week. The same thing you've heard every Sunday that you've come to this church, that Jesus is your Savior from sin. That through faith in Him, you get to go to heaven. Right? And what's even more ridiculous is that you could come here for totally for free. Right? Peace does not charge admission. There's no membership dues. There's no fees. And yet still you, you give money to be here. Right? You still willingly offer your money, which could be spent in, in any possible way, freely of your, your own free will, to say, yes, I support the work of this church, even though you could come and get all the benefits of it for free. To the world, that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? To the world, they say, why on earth are, are you doing this? But to you, it makes all the sense in the world because you know what this is. Right? You know that the time that you spend here is not just singing some songs with some people and hearing the pastors talk at you for a little bit. Right? You know that when you come here, it's not to fulfill some obligation, but when you come here, it's your opportunity to be served by our almighty and loving God. Right? It's, it's your opportunity to, again, receive the, the, the comfort, the consolation, the strength uh, of knowing that you are a forgiven child of God. It's an opportunity to be reminded that, that Jesus has won the victory for you against all of your enemies, that he has freed you from your sin. What a blessing this is to know all of these things. Right? And you know that, that it's here that when you come up to the altar in just a few minutes to receive communion, that, that you are here to receive Christ's body and blood. Right? Not just for the forgiveness of your sins. What a blessing that is too. To, be, to receive Christ's body and blood for the actual forgiveness of our sins. But also for strength. Right? That's our spiritual sustenance to continue living our lives by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And you know that by giving your, your offerings that you are thanking and glorifying your God for all that He's done for you. Now, when you give your offering, it's, it's recognition saying, yes, I know that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Every perfect gift comes from God. And if it were not for Him providing it for me, I'd have nothing to give in the first place. It's you recognizing and, and, and supporting the preaching and teaching of the most important news in the history of the world. The news that changes lives for eternity. And to the world, all of this looks ridiculous. But when you see it through the eyes of faith, it makes all the sense in the world. And we wouldn't choose to do anything differently. The very fact that I'm, I'm standing here this morning preaching to you is a little bit ridiculous. And it was just a, a normal weekday night when uh, I was singing prayers with my kids before bed when, when I got a phone call, and that phone call was an opportunity to come here. Right? The opportunity was to leave the, the church that I had been at for 10 years, to leave the people that I, I knew and loved, to pull my kids out of their school to have my wife leave the church that she'd been at since she was born, except for when she was a member at Peace here for two years, uh, and to sell our house, to go buy a new house, to come serve a, a new group of God's precious saints. And maybe you guys experienced this too because you've been, you were vacant for a little bit, you had a vacancy here, but trying to explain the call process to people outside the church is impossible, Right? It is absolutely impossible, even for people inside the church, even for us who are lifelong Lutherans, sometimes we say, why do we do it this way? Is, is, is our call process really the, the best way to go about doing this? What this call process does, what we emphasize through this process, is the divine part of the divine call. 
right? So as I considered these two calls and as I ultimately was led to make the decision to, to serve you here at Peace, it wasn't because of some laundry list of, of reasonable earthly explanations of, of why I decided to come down here to, to serve you. I'm your pastor because this, by God's perfect wisdom and will, is where he wants me to serve right now. And you are the people to whom he wants me to preach the good news of our salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And yeah, even if it's ridiculous in the eyes of the world, that is the message that I'm going to preach every single time I preach to you in this pulpit. That you are sinful, but that you have a Savior, and that through faith in him, you get to go to heaven. And he has called me not just to preach but to, on Sunday mornings, but to serve you 24-7. Right? To be your, your, your counselor, uh, to, to be on call for giving you spiritual guidance, uh, to mourn with you, to rejoice with you, uh, to, to give you advice at, at any point. And that's what I'm here to do, to serve you spiritually in any need that you might have. And however long God decides that he wants me to serve here, we're going to live in a ridiculous way together. Right? We're going to work together for, for God's glory despite our differences in personality sometimes despite what I'm sure will be at some point differences in opinion. The entire time we're going to be living in forgiveness for one another, for when we fall short, for when we, we don't walk according to the Spirit, but when those, those works of the flesh pop up in our lives, when we fail to push those things down. We're going to live together in, in love and in service to one another and to our community because we know, we know who we are and we know whose we are. And yes, throughout my time here, we are going to mourn together. We are going to rejoice together. We're going to encourage each other and admonish each other. We're going to sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. We're going to live in a way for the people of this community to look at us and say, that's ridiculous. Why do those members at peace, why do they love so much? Why do they have so much confidence and joy in their life? Why are they so faithful and patient and gentle and self-control. Why do they live, even, even though we know that they are going through times of grief, through times of difficulty, through times of trial, why do they live with so much hope and peace? And in every instance, the answer is the same. We point to Jesus. Right? With our lives, with our words, we point people to Jesus and to the freedom that he alone provides. Because it's through Jesus that we are free to live a life that glorifies our God, that does not serve ourselves. A life that is not lived in, in, in worry, filled with, with consternation about, am I doing enough? Am I living good enough? Lord, am I, am I good enough to be in your heavenly kingdom? But a life that's lived knowing that Jesus has done everything. Knowing that our salvation is secure. A life that's lived in the freedom of, of living in thanksgiving for everything that God has done for us. I've been a pastor here at Peace for a little bit more than one week. And in that week, I've seen clearly that God has done marvelous things in you, and that he's doing marvelous things through you, the members of Peace. I've seen you live in a ridiculous way. Right? I've already seen your eagerness for the gospel. I've seen your zeal for supporting the, the ministry that's carried out here in this building. I've personally experienced your, your love and the support that you have for your pastors. So thank you for that. Thank you for, for living in step with the Spirit, for living in a way that, that the world would call ridiculous. I'm 100% confident that it's God who has brought us together. And it's God who's going to bless our work as we labor together 
in His name. As we use the, the gifts that He's given to each one of us, the talents that He's blessed us with individually, as we use those talents together collectively to proclaim the freedom and salvation that Jesus has won for us. And we're going to do all of this so that God's name may be glorified so that more and more people in our community can know what we know so that they too can live with this joy and this confidence that we enjoy. We know that the work is complete. We know that our freedom has been won. We know that we don't have to worry about what comes next. We don't have to live as if this life is all that we have because we know that through Jesus, eternal life is ours. Amen. Please rise for the blessing. The peace which surpasses all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.